can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 222 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It's your Tuesday edition. I am Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going today, sir? I'm doing good. About ready to head out to the park. Let's talk to the Angels today. Very nice. Going to get back in the swing of things. Very nice to be back in the swing of things. For those of you looking for a Sunday pod, I apologize. The internet uh, issues that are associated with moving precluded me from getting that taken care of. Same goes for my chat, but both will be back this Sunday. Do not fear. Eno and I have got a ton of news. That's one of the things about you know not going on Sunday is that we've got a ton of news, some of it a little bit older, but that we've got to discuss. Um, breaking it down a little bit differently today, we're going to go injuries, player movement, some performances from yesterday, kind of talk about the guys in a bigger scope, and then the bullpens, which are always important. Um, very, very sad news for one guy in the bullpen there, a guy that we've been hyped on all season longs, already on the disabled list. So we'll get to that a little bit later. We've got to dive into the injuries, and the biggest one, um, actually, this is probably the second biggest one, to be honest, but uh, I wasn't too high on the, on the second guy that we're going to talk about, so I guess this one uh, is a pretty big deal. It's Brandon McCarthy. Looks like he's going to have Tommy John. It's a, it's torn UCL. He's out for the year. I mean, I think Tommy John, I don't know if it's been 100% confirmed, but it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that that's what's going to happen to him. This is really unfortunate, you know, because, uh, he, you know, he had the great season last year, 200 innings, first time ever for, for McCarthy. Um, goes over to the Dodgers, is striking the world out. A little bit of issue with the home run early on, but other than that, the skills were really something worth buying in on on McCarthy. And now injury gets him again. Finally, not the shoulder, but uh, Tommy John, still a huge bummer, especially at age 31 for McCarthy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, some people are going to want to point to the added velocity, uh, the jump in velocity as, as the culprit. But, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. There's uh, This might sound like semantics because um, the velocity was important, but it's not the, the jump, you know, because uh, Jeff Zimmerman just did a piece on um, what happened to specifically to um, pitchers that saw a, a, a jump in, in velocity, and there's no added um, percentage of, of DL uh, stints. So, okay. um, I mean, at least not in the the 60 or so, the 50 sample, uh, 50 pitchers that he's that, that had this big jump of, of an, a mile well, per hour or more. What about his cutter usage? The very thing that uh, Arizona well, didn't want him doing is that is that a part of it in your estimation at all? Well, just to finish off that bit about the velocity, the 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 other half of it is that pitchers that throw harder have uh, more uh, DL possibilities. Yeah. So um, you know, so by pitching harder, he is putting himself in a different bucket. Um, but not, but not necessarily because of the rise specifically, rather yeah. where the rise put him. 
is what you're right, saying. Right, yeah. So I don't I don't know if that's uh, useful to anyone, but it is a little different, um, maybe. And he did go from sort of 90 to 93, and the, those are significant differences, especially for starters. So I, I think that's more it than the cutter. Uh, you know, the 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 things that people talk about with the cutter, these, the reason that Dan Duquette banned it is because um, he thought that it led to reduced velocity and um, he thought it led to reduced velocity and reduced arm strength. Well, okay. I don't, I doubt that McCarthy's arm strength is a problem if he's, you know, career high in velocity. Exactly. Um, and uh, I doubt he was getting around side the cutter if he, you know, he, another way to look at whether or not a guy is throwing a cutter that might be dangerous. Uh, I wrote a piece on this with, with, you know, talking to Bumgarner and a bunch of other people, but, um, one of the ways to look at it is the velocity difference. So the difference between his cutter and his fastball is about two miles an hour. That makes it a, a true cutter, a cut fastball um, in the Mariano Rivera way. So I think those are less dangerous because you're just basically throwing like a fastball but changing the grip a little bit. But uh, there are guys who throw cutters that are about four or five miles an hour slower than their fastball. And those usually are bigger, more uh, have more movement, and look more like sliders. So those pitches, um, I think, are a little bit more dangerous because if you start throwing them as often as you might throw a fastball, let's say you're throwing a cut, uh, a cutter that is basically a slider and you're throwing it 40% of the time or 30% of the time, I think that could be a little dangerous just because it's basically a breaking ball and, and you're basically like Colin McHugh or whatever. Okay. That, that's, that's great information regarding uh, McCarthy and obviously just pitchers in general. So that's really unfortunate. It's a big loss for the Dodgers. And, you know, two – when you're making your predictions this year uh, for, for the divisions and the wild card, the two that everyone seemed to put in in boldface ink were the Dodgers and the Nationals. And both of them uh, have really been uh, – you know, Dodgers haven't been struggling so much with results, but the injuries are starting to pile up. Now they lose – first day, Hyunjin Ryu hasn't pitched. Now McCarthy, so they're, they're starting to get decimated there. Even though they're still leading the division, it's, it's pretty close out there in the West for the Dodgers. And then the Nats, they're all the way down in last. They've been absolutely abysmal. So it's very early, but it just kind of reiterates the one thing that we do know for sure about baseball is that we don't know anything. We yeah, just hate have make, no idea. I hate making preseason picks. My preseason pick for the World Series was Indians Nationals, so that that looks pretty good right now. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it looks, it looks excellent. Then the other thing about, um, the Dodgers, you know, I guess you could actually wonder about their depth going in, you know? Yeah, I think it was something that people were, were curious about. And the reason that they still kind of got a pass was because of the resources and who they have leading the charge. Uh, right. with the new, with the new management team in the front office, plus the abundant resources, obviously Farhan Zaidi and, uh, Andrew Friedman have shown that they can work with very limited resources and, and still kind of call together some depth or, or piece it together when injuries struck. Obviously with almost unlimited resources, they're going to be able to do an even better job. So they're going to be put to the test early now because this is two, you know, two big pieces. Brett Anderson hasn't really shown that he can get much deeper than about the fourth inning right now. So you're almost looking at like two and a half pieces that they need. Kershaw hasn't been his otherworldly self, and so it might feel a little bit grim uh, for the Dodgers right now, even though they are leading the division, whereas, like I said, the Nats, the other lockdown for people, uh, they've just been abysmal. Yeah, you know, I think going into the season, though, you had to know that 
Brandon McCarthy has had the shoulder off and on. I mean, it ended up being the elbow, but he's, you know, he's complained of, of shoulder problems um, most of his career. And then you know that Brett Anderson is glass. So, you know, having those two guys there, you know, I'm, I, I think that we can go a little bit too far with the love of the, the, the front offices. And yet, yet, I mean, I think all those guys are super smart, but, you know, counting on those guys, uh, to fill the slots, I don't, I don't know if that's a, a great idea. So now we, the real discussion is what do we think of the depth? And that's important for fantasy too. Is, so what do we think of Mike Bolsinger, Carlos Frias, um, you know, Zach Lee? What do you think of these guys? Because that was their backup plan. You know, exactly. And, and Scott Baker, uh, you know, Scott Baker with a, with an appropriate, uh, 2.6 home runs per nine. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is what's, this is what's going to happen here. And honestly, I'm not sure about any of them. Um, you know, Zach Lee's stock went way down, uh, but his velocity came up this year. So maybe he's the most interesting. Mike Bolsinger has a really nice breaking ball. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give him that. He has a really sure. nice breaking ball. And um, he throws it a lot. And yeah, it, it generates some decent stuff, but pretty much everything else is no good for Bolsinger. So if they if they get to those other pitches, that's when he gets in in his trouble. Usually with a home. Right. And he's even missing. He's even, I mean, other pitches. It's like other pitch. He's pretty much. You know who I compare him to is is Cozart. Okay. Uh, I think he doesn't have the same com- command issues as, as Jared Cozart, and so that's why there's a possibility that it works out for him. But he's a cutter curve guy, so that means that he's got nothing that goes, you know, that goes the other way. He's got nothing that goes arm side. It's all glove side, and it's just a question of is it going to be, you know, a frisbee type thing, or is it going to, or is it going to have to stay in the horn? Yeah, and and I. You know, when you look at the outcomes for his two pitches, you know, 11% whiffs for the curve, thrown 300 of them, we can believe that. 7% for the cutter, we can believe that. Those are average, so you could come out of this with a sort of 8.5% um, swing strike rate, which is which is average. And, um, you know, for his career, he's got 7.8. So you could have an average uh, swing strike rate with average-ish control. Uh, above average grounders. I mean, it could turn out to be very average is, is how I see it. For both singer, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, you know, it's a deep league guy, I think in that average in those leagues tends to be more valuable, but I just don't see him breaking out. Um, you know, if, if he was talking about, oh, well, I started throwing this, um, you know, the splitter or, or, you know, even the two seamer, you know, but, um, I don't really see him doing that. And I guess, I don't know, have you seen Lee recently? You know, no, see, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen him recently, and I, I am intrigued by him. Obviously, a, a blue-chip prospect coming up, his stock has definitely faded as he's moved up, you know, no longer seeing kind of a front-line potential, even though he's 28th pick overall, um, you know, back in 2010. But Lee looks like maybe he could be somebody that's that's solid at the back end of the rotation now. Um, he is with Oklahoma City in, in the PCL AAA. So I'm actually going to check the schedule out, see if they come 
anytime recently over to Round Rock, which is where the uh, the Houston, or excuse me, the Rangers affiliate plays, which is very near me, and maybe get a chance to see him because obviously the results have been fantastic to start the season for Lee. He's got a .95 ERA through three starts, 18 strikeouts against four walks in his 19 innings, along with just 12 hits allowed. And yes, it's a tiny sample for sure, uh, but you know he got beat around in the in, in AAA last year in Albuquerque. So the new the new affiliate, Oklahoma City, for the Dodgers, uh, maybe has helped him a little bit because we know how Albuquerque can be. Uh, and it looks like oh no, they played Round Rock uh, to open the season, but it wasn't in Round Rock. So I didn't I didn't miss anything yet. But uh, he could be he could be called up before Oklahoma City even returns. I'm keeping an eye on Zach Lee in deeper leagues where you know drafting minor leaguers or uh, rostering minor leaguers ahead of their call up can actually matter. I think I might place a token bid on him if I'm struggling for starting pitcher depth. Zach Lee, uh, Z A C H Lee for the for the Dodgers there. I, I kind of like him a little bit. Again, not to be that. Fr- Frontliner that maybe people thought he could be when he first came up, but to be kind of a solid middle back end sort of guy. You know, there's a little bit of data in there in the pitch FX system for him, and I what I do like is that he's thrown five pitches and thrown them regularly. So you know, he is um, I wouldn't call it a kitchen sink, but you know, he's he's got a he's got a developed arsenal and he's got decent command of all those pitches. So that's good. The change looks like it might be bad, but. Um, you know, who knows if it's if it's since he got like an extra um, mile an hour or so mm-hmm. uh, this year, and um, if the change you know stays the same speed or you know you know changes a little bit while you know, there's it's not a fully he's not a fully formed guy, but with the four seam sinker slider and curve he might be okay without it, but he doesn't have the velocity of a Richards, so you're not really putting him on the Garrett Richards plan, which is you know. Spe- speaking of, uh, you know, Carson Sestulia over the offseason wrote an article about about Carlos Frias as as you know a potential Sestuli- or a, a, a potential Richards in the making. Maybe I mean he didn't come flat out and say this guy's going to be the next Garrett Richards. He was looking at guys who have kind of the same uh, you know uh, route up with the with their pitches. And, and maybe who could turn into that guy who kind of takes that big step forward. And, and Carlos Frias was somebody that he landed on there. And we've seen Frias, you know, he pitched out of the bullpen even last night for the Dodgers. He's another one I'm keeping an eye on. Again, these are deep league plays, whether you're talking about Bullstinger, Lee, or Frias. We're, we're talking really deep here. I think 15-team mix before you even consider it, and that's with with, um, with deep reserve rosters. Probably got to be NL only or just some crazy, you know, 20 team mixer right now because they're all uh, either in the bullpen at the major league level or or in the minors with these three Dodgers. But we got we got to move on here. We've talked a lot of Dodgers. Uh, well, just to just to say Prius, I like Prius the best. Um, they have to stretch him out, and uh, and he, you're right about deep league. But uh, he threw a 93 mile an hour changeup the other day, which is kind of crazy. So. Uh, I, I, I was impressed was, watching him last night. I, I, yeah. I saw some decent things, so I'm I'm very intrigued by him too. Um, I've got him on a, on a draft and hold, a 50, 50 round draft and hold for NFBC, and I, I did it basically on the uh, on the recommendation of that uh, of that Sestuli article. I was like, you know what, Carson's crazy, but I'm, I'll, I'll I'll take a shot here, and it was like round forty eight of that fifty round draft. So so why not? Here comes Carlos Frias. Hopefully going to be a stud. But right now he's in the bullpen. Lee is in AAA, and I think Bolsinger's back in AAA too, right? Didn't he come up for a spot start? Um, and is he yeah. still with the ball club, or did he get sent right back out? I, yeah, I don't I know for certain. 
Scott Baker now, but I, I don't really want a part of that. No, B- Baker's not going to last. You're right. Um, You're right, though. Let's move on. There's going to be some better options for this next guy that we're talking about. Of course, he's a bigger loss, too. I wasn't particularly hyped on him, and maybe that's why I didn't put him at the top of this list. Or maybe I just made an error, and I didn't list these in order of importance. Who even knows? But it's it's Adam Wainwright. He's done with the Achilles injury uh, that he sustained over the weekend, which has obviously driven a lot of talk about getting pitchers uh, in the National League out of batting, because I believe it was done during that. I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. Didn't get much, uh, uh, get, didn't get eyes on many games over the weekend because I was moving. Um, but yeah, you're going to have the surgery. He's done. But the Cardinals are going to have much better options, uh, comparatively speaking. Marco Gonzalez uh, is, is probably the top option. He was somebody that was vying for the fifth starter job in in spring training to begin with. So I think he's going to be somebody that they're going to look hard at. He's kind of a, a more of a command and control polish type as opposed to, you know, the flamethrower like Carlos Martinez, who's, who's currently excelling in the rotation. Tim Cooney is another guy similar, you know, uh, command and control type, not overpowering, but St. Louis has had big success with these kinds of guys in the past. And, and I think even a, a sneaky one could be a Tyler, Tyler Lyons. He's another lefty. Both Gonzalez and Lyons are lefties. Actually, so is Cooney. So a bunch of lefty potential here. Uh, their AAA team is just loaded with lefties. So it's looking like they're going to get a lefty in the rotation here based on this injury. It's obviously a crushing loss. But the Cardinals are actually somewhat well-tuned to dealing with this. They won the World Series without him the other uh the last time he went down with injury, which was 2012, with his Tommy John. So, uh, yeah, they were riding five righties anyway. I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise because anytime you lose Adam Wainwright, who was pitching brilliantly, by the way, there's no way it's a possible blessing. But it will give them some some mix-up in their rotation here. Who do you like best out of, say, Gonzalez, uh, t- t- Tim Cooney, or Tyler Lyons? Oh, Gonzalez, for sure. The nice thing about Gonzalez is that he's starting with a, a pitch that um, – Already was top three uh, last year. His his only change. yeah his changeup yeah only only two people threw um, only two starters threw a better uh, changeup by Whiffray last year and I love his change yeah and you and I mean that's that was his whole deal coming up and the question was if he had other things but since he's a lefty you know fastball change you know that's that's good most of the time um, and you're not going to probably the nice thing about being a fastball change lefty is that there aren't a ton of smart managers that are going to stack the box with righties against you. Yeah, I, I mean, stack the box with lefties against you. With left, yeah, I, I knew what you meant. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that this could be, like I said, like I, said I, I hate the phrase blessing in the sense because th- th- he's too good of a guy to have lost to say it's ever going to turn out to be a blessing. But I really think that they could uh, not miss too many beats here because I, I like Gonzalez. And again, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but neither was Wainwright in terms of his uh, peripherals this year, his component numbers. You know, his strikeouts were way down. He, was, he wasn't walking anybody, and he had excellent re- results, 144 ERA and 104 whip for Wainwright. Um, so, but when you got a six and a half strikeout rate, it, it, it's going to be easier to replace. The impact of him in the locker room and him being the team leader, that's going to be tough to replace. That's going to be on the Lackey, the Lynn, the Waka. Those guys are going to have to step it up. The veterans. Gonzalez isn't going to be able to do anything like that. But I think he could come in and give a pretty darn good performance. So that is somebody I'm definitely going to go ahead and, and, and take a look at investing in immediately. Now, Elsewhere, I, I oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. 
just Jaime Garcia either. I mean, I, that's I don't, true. Yeah, yeah, he's hurt, but uh, you can never forget about him because he's decent. Uh, yeah. What is his most recent? I'm he checking faced, it right now. Faced hitters for the first time since going on the DL, and they they expect six weeks. So that might be uh, just later on. He, he actually probably will pr- replace like Lackey or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He could, he could end up replacing. Yeah, if, if Lackey doesn't get it together by the time that they give Lackey what would be deemed a, a long enough leash, like you said, another six weeks, so another month and a half or so. At that point. If Lackey's still toting like a mid four ZRA, that it'd be easy to say, okay, dude, we got to pull you out. Especially because, for those that forgot, Lackey's playing for the league minimum this year as as part of a kind of a contract quirk. When he signed with the Red Sox, if you if you miss any year due to Tommy John, you got to play uh, the last year of the contract for league minimum. And some folks thought maybe he would retire. No, he's honoring it. So. If they had to go that route, if if Lackey didn't even himself out and and, and the Cardinals had to consider taking him out of the lineup. It'd be a lot easier to do that when he's making five hundred thousand than when he was making fifteen point two five million last year. So that's a good uh, call there. Uh, I think he's going to be fine, and you know I do too personally. What's worth about the um, about the the pitcher injury thing? You know what it looked like was the Ryan Howard injury. Um, yeah, you know, he just started Clever. running towards first and collapsed. So looked like he was. I mean, scared. I. I think that it is uh, – it does make sense to me that, that in the minor leagues, almost all the leagues are DH. And so, you know, it's it's hard to say that um, these pitchers are trained to hit. They're, you know? they're just not. Like, listen, you know, I, I love baseball as much as anybody, but I, I'm not so dead set that I have to be traditionalist and say that the, the NL has to stick with what it is. I'm completely fine with with batters not or with pitchers not batting. I've just got zero issue with it, and in fact, I'm actually on the other side where I, I I'm adamantly against it at this point. I just there's no value. Every once in a while, there's a good hitting pitcher, and that's fun, but it's so rare that you you, you can reel off the handful pretty easily. You know, people know that Travis Wood is good. Remember Micah Owings back in the day. Um, I, I, Bumgarner, I believe, is, is is pretty decent at it too. You know, there's there's a handful. That are okay, but who gives a crap? You know, because all the rest are absolutely terrible. So yeah, I, I just think it's 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 high time we move on. When you're paying, and I'm not saying this to disparage him or or uh, you know clown on him because I think he's a great pitcher, but but when you're paying like a Rick Porcello level at 20 mil, you know, not even the the best of the best. When you're paying him 20 mil, and 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 somebody's going to be making 30 mil, or isn't Kershaw already? You know, the best guy's making 30 mil. What do we need to go see them up, go up there for, you know, what, 45, 50 plate appearances a year and hit their 140? Or if they're good, then they might hit 200. You know, Zach Greinke, I think, has like a 200 career mark. Wood, I th- Travis Wood, I still think is below 200, but has a handful of bombs, maybe upwards of 10. You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's time to move on from that. I'm done with it. Uh, let's move over to the Reds. Uh, Homer Bailey, it's not been going well. And there were, big, there were big concerns about him coming into the season. I kind of backed off on him, even though I've been a long-term fan. With the injury that he had, I just I, I, I don't see great things this year. His first two starts have been wretched, and now the Reds put Homer Bailey on the disabled list. And it's looking like Rizal Iglesias or Michael Lorenzen could be the benefactors here. Who do you like best? We saw a little bit of Iglesias this year. 
Um, you know, kind of a mix of, of some okay stuff. Looks like he can probably hang. Michael Lorenzen is a prospect we haven't seen at the major league level yet. And I guess Robert Stevenson has to be considered as well um, because he's one of their top prospects. But I honestly think it's going to be Lorenzen. What do you think of this, of this group of Reds prospects? I meant to say I think it's going to be Iglesias, not Lorenzen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's they're a, they're a weird organization. They're definitely willing to take a college closer, college reliever, and try to make him a uh, try to make him a starter. And in, in Iglesias, they even took a guy that people thought might be a reliever, and they're are trying to make him a starter. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is interesting to think about if you think that that pitchers only have so many bullets in their arm, then maybe if you do get one of these guys, they're they're more likely to be healthy. I don't know. Um, That's got to be uh, part of their thinking, at least. Maybe, or did, or 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 these are just undervalued pitchers. They didn't pay a lot for Iglesias. Um, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't uh, they didn't have to spend a high pick on Singrani. I don't think so. No, and I, I guess they figure. Listen, if we can make this work as a starter, we get major surplus value. At the worst yeah. case, we just put him back in the pen. And, and that's fine anyway. So, yeah, if, if the guys can handle it and they've got the pitches, you can try it, do it. So we'll see if Lorenzen, uh, you know, Singrani was, was good for a while. Now it looks like he might have to be a bullpen arm. Um, like I said, Iglesias has been starting. I, I'm, I'm moderately intrigued by him. I, I scooped him in a few deep leagues uh, just on the on the chances that he could be something worthwhile. So uh, I'm looking at Iglesias first here. And then I, I would have Lorenzen and uh, – uh, Robert Stevenson, excuse me, I would have them kind of neck and neck because I really just think it's going to be Iglesias. I don't think the other two are quite ready. Yeah, I think it will be too. But, uh, you know, one thing that's uh, sad is that um, you could see it coming with Bailey. I mean, the velocity was down and the slider was flat. Oh, so, it's so not good. And, it, and you know, coming off of flexor surgery, it was just like everything was there. And it's really hard to predict these types of things. I mean, John Rogale and, and Jeff Zimmerman have done a lot of work on it. And it's, there's, it's, you know, and then and there's also Josh Cox's injury factor, um, which, you know, is useful, but it's kind of hard to know how much you want to, how much stock you want to put in. For example, like I, I did a piece on Alex Wood. And for the most part, I think Alex Wood's problems are just control and command oriented because he's throwing the ball. Um, lower in the zone to get ground balls, and I think he's throwing it outside of the zone low, so he's getting into bad counts, and he's not being able to throw his off-speed spuff um, in the kind of counts where you, you'll get a whiff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what's going on with Alex Wood, but then I went and ran him through the four, four-point four injury factor thing that Josh Cal uh, created and Zimmerman has on baseball heat maps, and um, you know, Wood's, Wood's release point is becoming a little bit more ex- consist- inconsistent, and his zone percentage is down, and um, you know those are those are two of the three main things. But the other one is velocity. His velocity is about the same. You'd think that you would see some difference in his pitches if he was really hurt. Well, you skip over to Bailey. Bailey has all these problems, plus velocity is down, and the pitches look different. So I, I you know, in, in Bailey's case, I was I was pretty sure that. Um, that he was that he was still hurt, but in Wood's case, I don't I don't see it as as, as obviously. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on on those points, especially with Bailey. It's it's just it's all looking bad right now. I would completely divest if I had him, uh, even so far as you know, cutting him in maybe ten or twelve team mixers to go pick somebody else 
up instead of trying to wait for a trade. Maybe in an NL league, you could get a little something for him, but don't hold out hope. Homer Bailey is just not going to be his year. I'd love to see him just get healthy because uh, I still think there's a lot there for him. Let's talk about Jose Reyes. He has, a, I believe, a cracked rib that's going to send him to the disabled list. And unfortunately, you know, this this is something that we've talked about in the past. It's obviously not a huge surprise when he gets hurt, although, you know, he hasn't been the 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 complete piece of glass that, that people believe. You know, he's had a couple of seasons recently where he's been playing a bit more, but it's just, it's just fragile with him. The, the situation in terms of backups in-house looks bad. They call up Jonathan Diaz, and they're going to go with Ryan Goins as their primary shortstop. That's not anything you really want to be interested in. Um, you're going to have to look outside. What do you think of Reyes right now? You think this is going to be a long-term thing? I don't know too much about cracked ribs, but i got to imagine that's got to be pretty healthy before you can come back. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to do much of anything with a cracked rib. What are you thinking about Reyes? Yeah, I mean, he just finds way after way to to uh, to get hurt. And, um, you know, I was even talking to um, his old hitting coach, um, Dave Hudgens, Mm-hmm. And he said that even with the Mets, he thought that um, the legs weren't quite there as much as they were early in his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the kind of thing that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna happen with Reyes. It's um, we knew it, we sort of knew it coming in. I hope people were aware of it coming in. I mean, you know, a 655 plate appearance season might have uh, have uh, kind of you know encouraged folks to the point of kind of forgetting about the history a little bit maybe yeah especially with the hype surrounding that lineup you could see people kind of justifying like hey you know he hasn't been you know completely falling apart all the time that lineup's going to be amazing maybe i'm going to get a great season from him or 16 games in he's on the dl and he (laughs) and he he was no good in those games i mean um oh uh, oh excuse me three 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 for three on the base pass. I, I was misreading. I thought it was zero for two, but that's got two walks. Uh, the three stolen bases are fine, but everything else kind of blah. It's just six runs, just two fifty average. So Ray is going to be down for a while. You're going to have to look elsewhere. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a shortstop who's probably still quite available later, and I'll ask you if you think he's a viable replacement for Reyes. But let's go ahead and move on uh, to another guy, Jed Lowry. Not not on the DL yet. Uh, had experienced a thumb injury yesterday, though, sliding into home in, in a big W over the Padres for the uh, for the Astros. Has to fly back to Houston to get an MRI on the thumb. He has been raking so far. Jed Lowry has a 999 OPS with four bombs. He's back out where he did uh, his biggest damage, which I think is something that you mentioned before when we talked about him either on the shortstop preview or whatever the case was. I honestly don't remember. But I remember you saying some decent things about him going back out to Houston where he did his best work, might be someone to look at. Uh, Am I misrepresenting you, or or is that somebody that you felt pretty decent about because of where he was headed back to with Jed Lowry? Yeah, you know, I I did say those things about him because from talking to Jed, I know that he really enjoyed hitting in Houston. And um, you can even see from his line when he was hitting in Houston, you know, career high ISO um, and uh, career high fly ball percentage. Uh, he did a little bit of that in in Boston too, but that he is able to change his um, hitting trajectory a little bit, and that he yeah. that he thinks a little bit about the park he's in when it comes to how many fly balls he's going to hit and how much he's going to try and sell out for power. So. You know, it's not surprising at all to me that he hit six homers last year in, in, in Oakland. 
And uh, not surprising to me either that he is striking out more, but also, you know, hitting for more power this year and more and more. Uh, well, not necessarily more fly balls yet, but um, I think definitely that's, driving the ball. Stay yeah. tuned. We'll keep yeah, an eye, exactly. You know, we'll keep an eye on the thumb right now. Well, uh, he, always says, he always said to me in, in an interview I did, he was like, oh, well, you know, these are all just freak injuries. And, and, and you know, I got hit on the turn at, at second. And I'm like, well, dude, I mean, you're a shortstop. Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. You're kind of playing a position where some freak can injuries happen. can happen to you. Because, I mean, this one is a freak injury sliding. In, I didn't see the slide. I don't know if it was like a crazy slide or something uh, that he maybe should have done differently. But, uh, you know, a little bit of a freak injury. Like I said, not a DL stint yet for Jed Lowry, but definitely something to monitor. Obviously not going to play tonight, probably not for the rest of the series if he, if he flew back to Houston uh, for the MRI. I, that that's the part that really bums me out is that he has to go all the way back to Houston for the MRI, but maybe they're only in San Diego for this series and then they're heading back themselves. That I don't know for certain, but uh, they need him. You know, the, the Astros are playing well, but he's a part of that. They need him. He's not a huge defensive piece, but but his bat has been working. Yeah, they are they are headed back to Houston on Thursday after the finishing up this set. So he's you know, uh, you know definitely going to miss these next two games against San Diego, but let's hope that he's back for the four game set against Seattle. And again, we'll talk about a shortstop who might be available that you could replace Jed Lowry with um, in a little bit. Last bit of injury, very small. You know, this is deep league stuff because I, I doubt he's heavily owned, but maybe uh, you could talk a little bit about it. You know, Escobar, nicked up hand, got kind of spiked a little bit uh, in his day-to-day after the Angleton Simmons slide. Did you get a chance to see this, the slide in uh, into third base by Simmons? No, I did not. So uh, when you get a chance to look at it, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you might just run across it randomly, um, or even you know, if you're looking at app at on your on your phone, you can probably go to either the Washington or the Atlanta uh, part and 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 look at the video. It didn't look malicious, but apparently Washington was really ticked off about it. What I think they're really ticked off about is how they're playing, and so they found something <laughs> to get angry at to kind of look at elsewhere outside Rally of the troops. Yeah, you know, let's get angry about this uh, as opposed to focusing inward because I didn't really see much with it. It looked like he slid a little bit late, so his hand went in there. It kind of kicked off the glove of Escobar, and, and like I said, nicked his hand. He needed to have it bandaged up. Uh, the reason I brought him up, though, because, you know, usually I'd be like, well, whatever. It's, you know, Escobar, no big deal. He's actually been pretty good for them, and, and, and they've been down bodies that he's actually getting playing time. So he's hitting 284 with a 351 on base, only a 415 uh, or 418 slug, but two bombs as well. So, you know, he's he been doing some decent things. I'm not saying that he's going to decimate your team if he's out for a while. I just kind of wanted to bring it up to take a shot at the at the Nats, maybe focus on yourselves a little bit more because I didn't see any issue with the slide and I didn't know if you had seen it or not. So, um, are you looking at Escobar as, as as a deep league play right now? Do you think he's going to get a lot of playing time, or do you think that that playing time pretty much ends when um, when Anthony Rendon returns? I think he can still find. You know, Rendon's not the picture of health himself. No, not at all. Even as much as I love him, I. Really have to admit that, uh, that that's the biggest issue with Rendon. That's the one thing that the one flying his ointment. The talent is is you know kind of unimpeachable in terms of how good he was last year. But Rendon doesn't stay healthy, so yeah. And I think I heard some talk about uh, Escobar staying at third and Rendon going back to second when he returns anyway. Uh, you know that may be a question about his arm, and he's he's played at second, he's played at third, so that either is fine. That's why that's why I think Escobar is fine because he can play at second or he can play at third and 
you know, Espinoza has actually done some things okay. I mean, he's he's striking out less than usual, um, and he's still playing decent defense. I mean, Espinoza is is a really nice uh, extra piece to have. Absolutely. The only problem maybe with the the team as it's constructed is that Espinoza and Escobar probably are very similar in that they're not you know they're not necessarily a championship team starter, but they are a championship championship team sub. That's so, a great call. You know, it's kind of like uh, they did up their depth, but at one position at least. But, you know, it's just one position. And, you know, if you it, there is enough depth there that if you, you want to do a defensive replacement for S, uh, for Desmond because he hasn't hasn't been so great. <laughs> That's actually, the understatement of the century. <laughs> you, you actually have the pieces where you can you can slide Escobar over there and try to save a couple runs at the end of games um, and save Desmond a little bit. But uh I don't really. I'm not that worried about the Nationals. I, I mean, I, I think that they still have a great team. I think that well, uh, they just need to get some of their bats need to get going. Really, that, that, that's the thing. I, I, you know, I spoke at the outset about them about how they're kind of underperforming. You know, because they were one of the teams that had lofty expectations and reasonably so. I, you know, I had them winning the division pretty easily as well. Um, they actually have a reason. You know, they, they they've been down so many pieces. They got to get the team back together. Let them start gelling and hitting together. I think they're going to be all right too. Obviously, uh, Scherzer has been excellent. Fister has had you know kind of been hit and miss. Decent results, kind of ugly component numbers. And then uh, Strasburg, Geo, and Zimmerman have been a mixed bag. Sometimes they look good. Sometimes they look like trash. I think at least two of those three get back on track. And then you can talk about Tanner Roark or this next guy as we transition. That's called a segue, you know. Yeah. Uh, as we segue into the player movement talk, that shirt, the AJ Cole is being called up, and he's being called up for Max Scherzer, who hurt his thumb, which I believe he hurt it batting, by the way, which was just you know yeah. exhibit eight billion as to why the NL needs to get rid of the uh, pitchers batting and, and adopt the DH, but. AJ Cole is going to be called up, kind of a you know a decent prospect, no longer a I don't think a top top prospect, but a, but a legit prospect who they had and then they traded I believe to get Gio Gonzalez, then they traded to get him back after I think I think just the one season in the Oakland system he was back the next year for for them, um, and then Cole has spent the 2013 2014 seasons with them, off to a decent start in AAA this year. What do you think of AJ Cole? I know this is probably not a long-term issue, but it's a good little um, preview for him. And then maybe he could be, you know, maybe he could push Roark for that sixth role if they end up needing somebody. Say Fister doesn't get on track, or one of the other three that I mentioned doesn't get on track, or injuries hit. What do you think of AJ Cole as a prospect? I he is very perplexing. I mean, he it, it's the the type of thing where I, at one point I wanted to do research on on prospects that have been traded twice or three times before their debut because, you know, at least anecdotally, it seems like those guys are, you know, behind the eight ball and, and not, you know, you know, every time you get traded, there's a team that wants you and there's a team that doesn't want you. Exactly. And, and you know, when, you, when you've been traded three times, though, it seems to me to suggest that maybe there's something wrong there. And, you know, you look at Cole and you're like, okay, this guy can touch 95, sits 93. That's great. He looks like he has good command. All right, that's good. He has a, a blistering, you know, great breaking ball. All right, so what's the problem? Even if his change isn't great, there have been plenty of guys who have turned that whole, you know, resume into into starting jobs, into, into you know, decent work in the major leagues. No doubt. But, 
I keep looking at that home runs allowed. You know, home runs allowed in the minor leagues. Yeah, you can be in some bad parks and you can, you know, it can be this or that. He, he could have been working on the change the whole time, but that suggests to me that maybe the change isn't going to be any good and that maybe he's kind of Archie Bradley esque. But Archie Bradley had more hype behind him. So. Are, are you heartened at all? You mentioned the, the trade piece. And by the way, this is not to try to say I'm disproving what you think because I actually kind of line up with regards to, you know, looking a little bit uh, askance at guys who have been traded multiple times. But the two guys that instantly come to mind for me are Gio Gonzalez and Chris Archer, and obviously they've worked out pretty well. So they're on the pro side that, hey, you don't have to necessarily freak out. But I want to ask you if you're heartened at all by the fact that the team that first traded him then got him back. I think so. I mean, if you think about – the, the, you know, Eric Seidman did some great research on on free agents, and he's and he showed that, uh, or maybe Matt Swartz. I think Matt Swartz did. It. He, he showed that um, teams that retain their free agents, those free agents do better than the than um, new acquisitions. Okay. And the and the theory is that these teams know more about about uh, who they've got. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think that. Um, yeah, it's nice that he's he's back. He's also nice to be he's back in the National League. It's always easier to debut in the National League as a pitcher. Um I I'm I'm looking forward I I really want to see because I think that uh the the movement numbers on a pitch can uh can can stabilize very quickly. I mean, you you're really um you're taking an average of 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 a good measurement. I mean, in terms of like pitch FX, it can tell you exactly how much that pitch moved. You know, yes, there are mistakes, but you know, it, it's pretty good. So I think, you know, Absolutely. if we got two starts out of him or even one start, I might be able to say something about, you know, the shape of his changeup and how often he threw it. You know, did he have confidence in it or did he come up and sort of Bradley it where he just fastball, breaking balled it and, and tried to get through the lineup. So, so we'll keep an eye on Cole tonight for sure. I can't recommend a pickup even in NL only just yet because it looks like it could be a one and done if Scherzer ends up being okay with the thumb, but keep an eye on that situation. Obviously with this coming up on a Tuesday, we have, you know, outside of you who outside of your leagues that run, you know, t- daily transactions or maybe midweekers, if you do stuff on Sunday like a lot of leagues, we've still got, you know, a handful of days here to really learn more about Scherzer's status, which in, in turn will affect Cole's status. So we'll, we'll watch him tonight. We'll go from there. we got a couple of other guys that are also a little bit tough to recommend as pickups because it could just be a one and done. Rafael Montero and Chase Whitley, both pitching for the New Yorks tonight. And, and the reason I group them together, not because they're both in New York, but because of the reasons that they're up, they both appear to be up. Um, as six-man rotations, just to kind of give Matt Harvey and Masahiro Tanaka a little bit of extra rest, um, because you know both of them are return, or you know one's returning from Tommy John, and then of course you know Tanaka's dealing with the the UCL tear. He's been great his last two starts, but just why not build in a little bit of rest? These two guys can go out and give him a start. I know you've said some positive things about Whitley in the past. What do you think of Montero and Whitley, and who do you like better going forward as as somebody who could potentially stick in their ro- respective rotation and be a value to us in the fantasy world? Hmm. I think it's Montero. Okay. The uh, I mean, I like Whitley, but you know he kind of burned me a little bit last year, and uh, what happened was that the early the early pitch type peripherals on his fastball suggested that he had a good enough fastball, and we know he has a great change, and the slider is, is good enough. 
So I thought, here's a guy who has everything. You know, I mean, he has everything he needs. But I should have looked at the velocity. The velocity is a little bit below average for a right-hander. And, you know, as he threw that fastball more, it uh, got taken for home runs a little bit more. And especially the sinker um, got taken for a lot of home runs last year. Got taken. And um, so uh, I, I think, um, you know, Whitley in that park, like if Whitley was in, it was a Met, I might be more interested in him. But, um, and he, and you couldn't have two more different pitchers, actually, because Montero, the, the big thing about him is that he's got great uh, fastball. He's got a great fastball in terms of velocity and in command. Um, and he, and he throws it a ton. And he throws it, you know, 65, 70% of the time. Um, and that's actually just gone down a little bit this year to make, make him more complete. But the change, I think, is good. The slider is okay. But I really like that he comes with a plus fastball that he can command well. Plus, the team has been thinking about trading Dylan G, um, you know, and they have Noah Syndergaard coming up after, you know. So I, there is a bit of a crowd there, but they might do a six-man rotation to keep Harvey in the rotation all year. That It's not the craziest thing. They have a sort of right. a safe front office, and, you know, they, they can tell Terry Collins what to do. So um, I, I like Montero. And, um, you know, it's all qualified. Both of these guys are, neither of them is, is, you know, comes with pedigree. Neither of them comes with a full arsenal where you can say, this guy has everything it takes. But with Montero's fastball, he's closer. And now that he's been throwing the change and slider a little bit more, he actually does by whiff, by whiff rates on his pitches have sort of two and a half pitches. Yeah, I, I've I've long, uh, I guess not that long since he's still pretty young, but I've been a Montero fan for a while. I've written him up pretty nicely in the SP guide the last couple of years. That that'd be very interesting if they did a six man, you know, just for large parts of the season uh, as a way of of spacing Harvey out. I think that is a smart thing. So I'm interested in him. I don't think that Montero is necessarily going to be a star, but I think he's got enough stuff to get an okay K rate. I think even a seven and a half, if you're giving me good ratios, I'll take that. I, I love strikeouts. I want as many as I can get. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be overpowering if you're delivering elsewhere. And I think Montero can be a decent whip guy. Got to keep the ball in the yard. That was his big issue last year when he came up. Keep the ball in the yard. Work on that command, and, and Montero can be something useful. Very excited about him. Whitley, more of a wait-and-see thing. I, I'd have to see a little bit of something from him before I'd go out and even try to invest. Uh, Jared Saltomachia was DFA'd. I'm not sure it's a big surprise other than that he's, a, he's an actual name. Uh, you know, some import, making some decent money for a team that doesn't pay a lot of money. And so they still got a lot of money left on that contract. Salty's making 7 mil this year and 8 mil next year. It's not, you know overwhelming in the grand scheme of things uh, for baseball-wise, but the Marlins, you know, they're not uh, always big spenders, even what they did with Stanton this year uh, notwithstanding, but he has been so brutal. He wasn't good for them last year. Who could have seen that coming except everybody ever? Um, and he's been markedly worse this year, and it's only 33 plate appearances, but it's just been so god-awful. He's not good behind the dish. There's no real reason. I love Jacob Real Muto uh, as somebody who can actually come up and be a full-time catcher. So they're going to be looking to trade him. It seems like somewhere like Arizona would, would not only be a good fit for Salty because of how badly they need somebody behind the dish, Tuffy Gosowish, again, a fake player. I just do not believe that that's a real person. Tuffy Gosowish behind the dish right now, not only would it help uh, Salty, obviously, to get a full-time job, but that park upgrade 
could kind of bring back the the scant value that that Salty's had. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they obviously have been looking for a, a catcher. Um, I and I, you know, I'm really surprised by Real Muto's um, ability to make contact. I, I I was really wondering what his strikeout rate would look like in the major leagues and. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't seen a ton of pitches, but I mean, he's seen 272 pitches and um, made contact at an above average rate. So I think it might be possible that he does, um, you know, catchers in general have a bad Babbitt. So I doubt that he, you know, does much better than 240, 250. But I mean, <laughs> after having Salty in there for so long. Um, That's the thing. It's, it's yeah. so bad with Salty. And yeah. Uh, when I say I love Real Muto, uh, I, I, I gotta qualify that a little bit only because young catchers, when they first come up, they're not instantly gonna be fantasy assets very often because you gotta learn the pitching staff and a lot of teams will just tell the guys, listen man, if you just don't hit 069 or whatever the hell salty was, you'll be fine. But they, they all but tell them, don't worry too much about your hitting, focus on running this staff, and, and, and taking care of that. So if you can even manage, like you said, like a 240 batting average with a little bit of pop, that will be fine. Uh, but long term, I do think Real Muto is somebody who can be a full-time solid catcher um, in, in the major leagues. So that's going to be an upgrade for them. I think they'll figure out a trade for Salty, even though he isn't great behind the dish and hitting poorly right now. Somebody will be interested. That's just what that's just catching. It's almost like the uh, the left-handed pitching uh, of the hitting side. If you can actually catch in the majors somewhat, and again, he's not great defensively, but the fact that he, he knows how to do it uh, will get him a job somewhere. And a piece yeah. of news, news that we would have covered on Sunday had Jason and I been able to podcast, uh, we, you and I will talk a little bit about it, the Josh Hamilton trade. It looks like it's officially done. It's basically a money dump. I think there's either a player to be named later or some cash going back to the uh, uh, Angels in this one. But for the most part, it's just a money dump to get rid of him. Do you see any fantasy value forthcoming from him this summer? Simple as that. At all. Any league yes. type. You do? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. uh, the park has to factor in a Big little time. bit. Sure. To what happened to him. I mean, he, he went from... Uh, a 292 ISO in one year to a 182 ISO in in uh, Anaheim. So I'm not saying he's going to reverse that, um, but uh, I like his projections uh, right now. Steamer rest of season 260, 18 homers. Um, you know he's still a lefty. He's not a righty. So I I think that he could be a platoon bat in most uh, in most formats. I mean okay. I I'd probably keep him. I would keep him away from lefties, and I I bet his team does too. Um, and, uh, you know, I, he's a little bit more valuable maybe in on base percentage leagues. Um, but, uh, and there is a, there is a chance that he really has a bad batting average. I mean, he, he sort of has that in him at any given moment because the strikeout rate has just really gone gone south but but, uh, but you know even even in his first year in LA 2013 Hamilton you know still hit 250 which again not good but uh in the environment that we're in right now, it's not the automatic cratering that it used to be. Uh, and if they're protecting him against lefties, maybe maybe that only bottoms out at at like you know 270 or something. So I agree with you. There, there there is some chance here. Let me ask you this: Obviously, he's injured right now, so you can DL him. They're looking at a mid to late May return. How soon would you be willing to get him on your roster, say, via a trade if somebody was just totally done with it and willing to, would, would you go ahead and fill that DL spot with him right now? You'd be willing to? 
Yeah, oh, you know what I really love about him? I mean, I don't know, training, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, I mean, training suggests that it's a dynasty league, really, honestly. Or yeah, because he might be available in just about everything else, to be honest. Right. I, I didn't even really consider that. But yeah, in a 12-team league, I really like him in a 12- and 15-team league, especially if you have a DL spot open. What I really love, I love doing this with guys, is, you know, is taking him, putting him on the DL, and then going and getting somebody else. Like, you could do something where, let's say, You've got Jimmy Nelson on your team in a 12-teamer, right? Well, you know, Jimmy Nelson's a good arm. He had a bad day. It did raise the questions about his command, right? So sure. you could do something, especially if you needed a closer and you wanted to – you were looking at uh, A.J. Ramos because Steve Shishak blew his save and his velocity's way down. Um, and I think they might have cut to Morse's wife you know, talking crap on Sushek during this blown save. Anyway. Whoa, really? I think somebody in my Twitter feed was saying that. Oh, my God, that's so funny. By the way, that's that, that that's we're going to get to that bullpens uh, here in a few minutes. Okay, that, that, well, I, I was saying, like, you could you could bring in – what you could do is if you're, if you're about to make a move with somebody, add this in if you have a DL slot. Just be like, absolutely. whatever move you're about to make, throw Josh Hamilton in your DL slot and then go get the guy you were going to go get. And I, th- I don't think that I think that's there's almost no pain there. Later on, you'll have some pain when he comes off, and you'll have to decide what to do. But if he looks good in rehab and the reports are good, and you know all this stuff, then what you could do is start thinking about a two for one to make space for him. You know, you sold me. You sold me a little bit. I was I was coming in thinking I don't know if there's going to be any value here, and uh, well, you know, you know it's going to have to sell me. You know, like I said, uh, it doesn't have to be a lot of value because like well, he's, he's not costing anything right now, so there is some upside there that uh, that can be mined. I hope he gets back on track and kind of you know rediscovers his Texas uh, stroke because obviously he was excellent with the Rangers. So we'll keep an eye on Josh Hamilton for sure. Um, you could definitely cut this guy for Josh Hamilton, Don Brown. Sent to AAA. <laughs> I mean, we didn't, we weren't too thrilled about him coming into the year when we when we discussed him. I used to like, I used to really be excited about uh, Don Brown's prospects and 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 hoped that he could become something, you know, pretty special. Uh, obviously, had that big May, I think now of 2012 was it? Is it or no, 2013? Okay, so it's, it's not it's not a distant memory yet, but we get further and further from that from that wonderful month that he had which accounts for entirely too much of his career home runs right now. It, 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 it's brutal for him, and he's just going to – he hasn't gotten started in the majors this year. He's basically had a bad rehab assignment. They're going to keep him down in AAA. What do you think is going to happen with the 27-year-old? Are you pretty much done with Dom Brown? <laughs> well, I just <laughs> – I just wish that his team would be done with him. The, the problem, though, is if they do that, that it takes away the fact that one of the reasons I liked Don Brown was that he had that nice park. That park, and, yep. And he had some power and, and might be able to take advantage of it. I just, you know, from all accounts, and um, I asked some of the Phillies Twitter guys, uh, Matt Winkleman, I asked him about um, – you know, the, uh, the, the, what he looked like on, uh, was he just not healthy, right? And, uh, he said, no, he looked healthy. He wasn't hitting well, but he looked healthy. And, you know, a 9.5% walk rate and a 14.3% strikeout rate, um, seems like he's doing okay at the plate. So I, I think, I can't believe that they're going to go and, you know, run at it with Grady Anderson. Great. Uh, uh that's funny that great, you said that. It's great, Grady Sizemore. 
Uh, remind me, of course, of Brady Anderson and his yeah. big 50 homer season. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing about it, though. You, like, like you say, you wish that they would just give up on him um, because it, <laughs> there's just no way. I understand that, that he's struggling, but how are Jeff Francoeur and Grady Sizemore better options for this club where they're at right now? <laughs> I know. Can, can you not give Brown at least 100? value. <laughs> yeah, 100 PA – you know, 100 plate appearances, give him a shot to do something. And maybe he gets, you know, does something in those 100 plate appearances. Then you can showcase him, trade him. I don't care for a C-plus arm or something. Like, we know that even 100 plate appearances isn't going to return some big value. Or trick a team into saying, hey, if you want to get this Hamels deal done, you got to take down Brown too. But I don't know. It's just Philly. Philly, dude. I mean, they're, they're – <laughs> the jokes write themselves with Philly. So he's sent out right now. I wouldn't look for much of a return. It's just unfortunate. I think we're 1,544 plate appearances in, and he's been about league average, uh, 98 OPS plus. I'm on BRF right now. But uh, a lot of it, a lot of that value comes from that May of 2013. And I, you can't just cherry pick everything, but honestly, I feel like if you pull that out, he probably dips to the, like an 85, uh, OPS plus, And that's pretty much well, you know, that's well below average at that point. I'm moving on. He's, he'd have to show me, you know, a couple Mays in a row, a May 2013 in a row type of months to get back on the Don Brown train. I'm done. How about you? You done? I mean, I've got him in my 18 team league and, uh, I guess you can sit times. tight there. 18 teams, pretty deep. There's nothing on that wire, so I'll, yeah, I'll sit, sit tight. But uh, that's that's only because of circumstance, as opposed to anything else. Um, my team dynasty, I, I can't even get Kevin Kiermaier into my lineup, so I'm you know I'm flush wow. without. And I don't think uh, it is OBP, so that's a little bit of reason to maybe not play him. But F- find the Don Brown owner and 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 sell him a Kiermaier for something. Yeah. Maybe he's got another injury or two as well. Well, we got- that be interesting because since Kiermaier's not even starting for me, all I need is from Brown is sort of depth and possible bounce back and then get the other thing I really want, which exactly. is – Exactly. You, know, you, you get Brown and something. First off, the guy sees, hey, Eno wants to take Brown. Okay. But all you're really focused on is the piece that you're getting back. You're taking Brown for free essentially. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that that could work. Let's talk about a few standout performances from yesterday as they relate to kind of their full season. Well, obviously, we're not going to make too much out of one performance, but George Springer had three stolen bases yesterday. He's kind, you know, he's kind of keeping up his value via the stolen base because everything else is not working. He's got seven stolen bases, which leads the American League right now, but Springer's hitting 183 with a 626 OPS. I don't really have any concerns about him. The one thing I, I would say p- positively, though, is that we didn't see much of the speed last year, and so that was one of the things that uh, his detractors were worried about. He gets talked up as a power speed guy. Well, where is the speed? Because we only saw uh, five stolen bases in seven attempts last year in 78 games, and he's already got seven stolen bases in 19 games this year. So I, I'm pretty high on Springer still. I'd actually go out and try to buy him with his 77 OPS plus right now, in the hopes that I could get him for you know a seventh or eighth round type of guy because he was going in the third or fourth round this year. What do you think about Springer? I was disappointed to to see that he's hitting the ball about 260 feet um, when it's in the air for home runs and flies because that's not going to work. You don't think 260? Yeah, it's it's pretty far down there. So that's that's the one uh, sort of fly in my ointment when it comes sure. to here. But 
uh, we don't know how quickly those things uh, stabilize, and we do know um, that power numbers take a little bit longer. ISO actually takes, uh, I think, 190 plate appearances. So, so we uh, are, I, that's quicker than I thought. I thought yeah, ISO I'm surprised too. All season. So We're I halfway I, home. I, ISO takes some of the Babbitt problems out because you're just looking at extra bases. So, you know, the, the duck snorts kind of get taken out a little bit. Um, so I guess 190 plate appearances and, uh, he's not quite halfway there and he's got a league average ISO. So, um, you know, he's still got some time and, you know, a three homer game is going to change everything. Uh, yeah, even a multi, you know, just a couple homers. All of a sudden, he's at four homers and seven stolen bases. No one's freaking out. You know, we're still in that zone where a huge game, you know, we're talking like the the monster game of the night, a five for five, a four for four with a three extra base hit. That kind of game still changes the guy's stat line pretty significantly. So I wouldn't be worried about him at all. Um, I'm interested what you think about Taiwan Walker. He got off to the wretched start. Blasted in his first outing, hit pretty hard in his second outing. Now he's bounced back with two starts. I think some people are, are coming back around, but I'm still preaching a little bit of caution because those two starts came against Houston and Texas. And so, as as excited as I am about Taiwan Walker overall, you know, a, a .73 ERA, 13 strikeouts in 12 and a third innings against those two teams. You know, it's kind of what you're supposed to do. So, do I? How much credit do we really give him for it? You know, that's kind of that, that's a little bit where I'm at with him right now. What do you think of Taiwan Walker? Yeah, and you know, one of those one of those starts came with a, a bunch of walks, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Houston one. He walked four guys. It was uh, last night's start: five strikeouts, one walk, six hits against Texas, one run. It was unearned, though. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good start. Uh, you know. Not as many strikeouts as you'd like, but uh, maybe he was concentrating on getting in the zone and got a ton of grounders. So maybe he was, uh, you know, let me see if he uh, changes pitch pitch mix there a little bit. Um, and no, the Texas numbers haven't come through yet. Um, in any case, uh, I mean, we always we knew the stuff was there, and you know, you know, just getting it in the zone is is the problem. And and in Houston, even with the with the walk rate up, he, he at least got the zone rate up. He got the, the first strike up. Um, so that's that's really big because now, you know, the, the bad start against L.A., he had 55% first strikes, and that's that's below average. But since then, he's at 68 and 67. And if he, if he, if he stays over 67, then everything changes. Because you, can, you don't even have to have great command if you have one strike on the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that if, makes sense. If you start 0-1... Then, then everything falls into place. So, uh, I mean, it, I'm trying to square this with having been at the Oakland game. Yeah. Where it just looked, I mean, the stuff looked excellent, and it's really hard to actually, when you're in the stadium, to, 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 to think about command. But, you know, there was something there with the command because they were, they were just tattooing him. But, oh, um, blasted. Nine, yeah. runs, nine runs, three and a third. It was, it was a nightmare. I think I, I would, uh, you know, in deeper leagues, I'd hold. Um, sure. In deeper leagues, I might buy just based on the fact that, you know, there's some decent swing strike stuff there. Uh, My counter to, to buying right now is I don't want to buy based on these two, two starts, starts artificially yeah. because I don't want his current owner to think, well, well he's back. So now you got to pay the price that I would have charged you 
if he didn't get blasted by Oakland and, and the Dodgers. So I would test the price first, which I, that's, I guess that's probably self-explanatory. You're always going to test the price and see see what it costs. I just worry that if someone's going to say, hey, he's back, don't worry about him, you got to pay a high premium, I'm still going to say, listen, dude, it's a 686 ERA, I'll give you something for him, something of note, but it's not going to be what I would have had to pay uh, at the peak of his hype, which was right at the end of spring training heading into the season. So that's kind of where we're at. Let's move on. Let's talk about that shortstop I hinted at earlier, somebody who maybe could replace your Jose Reyes or your 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 Jed Lowry if he ends up hitting the disabled list. It's Jose Iglesias, and I feel like we've spoken about him a couple times, or maybe it's been me and Jason uh, once and me and you once, but we, we keep coming back to him because he keeps hitting. And now he's at 290 batting average for his career in what is essentially a full season, 163 games, 536 plate appearances. He had a huge night last night, triple and a homer uh, and a single. I think he was a double away from the cycle. Um, he already has as many stolen bases, five, as he did in all of 13. And I mentioned 2013 because he didn't play at all in 2014, for those of you unaware. So he came up with the with the tag of not being able to hit. You know, this is a zero hitter. Do not worry about him for anything but batting at, or but uh, but fielding, and and he's ended up hitting a bit as a major leaguer. Do you think that the perception of him as a minor leaguer has skewed what we've seen from him so far, and that's why nobody wants to buy, or is he just not that good of a hitter, and we're right to still be cautious on these on these BABIP inflated uh, batting averages that we've seen from him in his two seasons? Well, <clears throat> um. The, you can look at things, you know, that are that are not uh, have nothing to do with Babbitt, and so you know the fact that he's had 536 play appearances with a 5.6 percent swinging strike rate is undeniable, and it's good. It's it's the kind of thing that'll lead, and also you know 56 percent of his hits are on the ground. So this is the kind of guy who's going to have a good batting average. Yeah, um, at know. least at least a, a decent one, if not if not a plus one. So you know. Yeah. Seems like 275 is the floor. What's that? Yeah, because power is part of it. I mean, power, power turns outs into into hits and 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 singles into doubles. And he doesn't. I think that the 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 ISO right now is the outlier. Um, you know, that, 43. Yeah, that's probably some sort of bab of inflation. Um, and so I would say, lucky if he hits two more homers. I agree. I, uh, I do agree there. And, but, uh, you know, stolen base attempts. Are very important. I mean, you look at Eric Ibar, and you and you look at Jose Iglesias. Now, Ibar is striking out more often. He's whiffing twice as often. He has a little bit more power upside because he's shown it before. He's 31. You know, he, he's he, he's in the sort of power zone. He 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 can still hit for power, some power, but it's it's not a lot of power. And he's tried to take off for second one time and been caught. And he, yeah, and he was he was nailed. And and we've always seen him as kind of a bland guy. Ibar, he's bland. He's going to do what he does. So he'll probably have a whole uh, a hot streak to kind of get back on track. But are you are you making the case that maybe if speed is what you're looking for out of your shortstop, maybe you could go you could go to Iglesias over Ibar? Is that, is that where you're leading, or am I leading you there incorrectly? No, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Because here's a guy who's six years younger. So the stolen bases are more of a of a, of a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really worry about his legs with the health of his legs with respect to taking off because he's already tried six times. So you know he's got the green light. You've got Ibar who's thirty one. Stolen bases age terribly. He may not steal 
he may not steal as much as 12. He, you know, he stole 12 two years ago, 16 last year. He may not steal more than 12 this year. So you got 12 stolen bases. Maybe he hits five or six homers to Iglesias's, you know, two or three. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and you don't, I mean, I'll take the, I'll take the, uh, the doubling of stolen bases because I feel like Iglesias could get at least 24, if not more. He's on pace for 43, of course. That'll likely slow. But, but still, uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not the, the hottest weather, you know, and they're, and they're letting him go. So they're not worried about his hamstrings and, you know, and the muscles. I mean, there's obviously it was a bone issue. Yeah. The shin, uh, the shin, the shins were what kept him out last year for those that, that didn't know. And, and I, it would make sense if you didn't know because he, he's not a huge fantasy commodity, but I think he's kind of playing himself into somebody you have to pay attention to. One very interesting piece, and I don't know that this is going to last with Iglesias because it really was a first time thing yesterday, but he batted second. And uh, obviously it went well. That I don't think that they're going to all of a sudden change because he went three for five there. And they're going to say, hey, now he's a power hitter because we put him second. But the reason that he was up there is because um, Rajay, Rajay Davis was nicked up and couldn't go against the lefty or else he would have batted there for sure. If that persists, I think Iglesias will bat high against lefties at least. So uh, obviously that's not the overwhelming majority, but if he's getting some sort of regular playing time batting second, that's going to increase his runs scored potential as well. Batting down in the 7-8-9 area, you're looking at, what, 65, maybe 70 runs if the Tigers are really as explosive as we're seeing. But when you add in those those uh, handful of times up at, at the two-hole, could get him a couple extra runs there, and all of a sudden you're looking more of a, like maybe a 75, and that's even a decent contribution for Iglesias as well. Yeah, I, I agree with all these things. I think I'd rather have Iglesias than Ibar. I know you're taking a risk. And the deeper the league, the more that risk. But then the deeper the league, the less likely the Iglesias is out there. So in the types of leagues where Iglesias for Ibar is a choice. Uh, I, I do it. Yep. Doing Iglesias, yeah. Good, good, good call there. Uh, we're going to skip on some of these so we can get to the bullpen news since we're already a little bit past an hour here. Um, I do want to talk about Chase Anderson because this is a guy that, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken nicely about. And even though he's roughed up yesterday, five and a third, five earned, the skills are still solid. Ground balls are up. Homers are down. Are you seeing this as a potential buying opportunity? Obviously, you probably can't buy him. You have him in every league, I'm sure. You even have him in your <laughs> AL-only leagues, I think, just in case. Um, but are you seeing this as a buying opportunity for the rest of us uh, who maybe weren't as as quick to jump on Chase Anderson? Again, that's not me either. I've got him in several leagues. But maybe go out there and say, hey, the ERAs might, might be a little bit elevated. You might f- be thinking that it's not going well. But outside of the shellacking that we saw yesterday, Chase Anderson – and that was against Colorado in a hitter-friendly park too – Outside of that, things have been going pretty well for Chase Anderson. What do you think of one of your guys uh, through four starts so far? You know, I think he can even do better than the steamer rest of season projection, which is uh, light on innings for me, 81 innings. Uh, uh, where's that even coming from? I don't I, – they must – it must be the depth charts saying that, like, you know, somebody like Corbin or somebody's going to take his job. But, you know, just pitching, you know, cromulently I think keeps you in that rotation because – there's going to be someone else who's going to pitch terribly and fall out. Um, yes, Jeremy so. Anderson. <laughs> so bad. He's so. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. He's so freaking bad. Even even uh, Ruby, uh, uh, our boy Ruby, as we like to call him, he's been showing some things. Even Colmenter, uh, probably a chance to to get knocked out of there as well. But he he kind of goes on and off, shows some things. So yeah, I I it's feel like not the next guy out for me. No. Not not even close to me. And obviously Archie has hit the ground running. Uh, they got some good first name guys: Chase, Archie, Ruby. Um, 
<laughs> but no, I think I think those three, Ruby De La Rosa, Archie Bradley, Chase Anderson, I think those three are pretty much set right now. Cole Mentor, they seem to love him, maybe like from a leadership thing. So I think he's going to kind of have a pretty long leash. Helgson's the guy who's out. I disagree right. with the 81 as well. Good call there. Uh, so well, let's just say that he pitches all season. Yeah, so yeah, give him the rest of the innings. Uh, last year he had 153 innings, so he can go to – uh, even conservative to, conservatively, let's say they're out of the race, uh, which they should be, and, um, they, uh, and they want to preserve his arm. I think he can still get to 180. Um, yeah, so, so double the innings on that steamer projection. Um, you know, 376 ERA, 124, a whip. I like it. He's shown good command. He's showing better command this year. Uh, eight strikeouts per nine. I think what's happening right now with the lowered swing strike rate and a little bit lower, um, uh, strikeout rate for, for Chase is just that he's emphasizing the two-seamer. Um, that's something he said. I, I just checked in with him recently, and it, it checks out in terms of he, he's throwing more two-seamers. He wanted to throw more two-seamers in the spring. He told me he's going to throw two, two more two-seamers. So, uh, is that for the grounders? Because that, that, that's way up from 40% to 49%. For the and I think it's a good thing because the only thing that was sort of stood out about Chase's line is the home runs for nine. Bingo. Uh, and uh, And – you know, obviously there's some worry about that because it's really hard to know when a guy has homer problems. Uh, but I, I sort of took a bet that he didn't necessarily have homer problems. Um, and now that he's getting close to a 50% ground ball rate, I think, um, I think he, I think he can stick around where he is in home runs per nine, which is, um, which means that he's going to improve on his steamer projections and maybe be like a 3-5 ERA guy. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying. Maybe you avoid him in Colorado. That's true of probably 80% of the league. Absolutely. More. I'd yeah. say there's a 10% of guys. You know, I'm going to keep my, my Dodger guys, my, my Grinky and my Kershaw for sure. If you got Bumgarner, you got to keep him. In, you know, you drafted him too high to be taking him out. There's a handful of the studs. I just named the ones in the West, of course. Um, you know, James Shields, even, uh, for, for the Padres, Tyson Ross. I feel like you got to keep those guys in, um, and, and your other studs across the National and American League. But everybody else that isn't, you know, kind of that top 15 sort of guy, get, you can get them out. That's fine. Or maybe a little bit deeper than that. Maybe cut closer to top 30 or so. But, uh, yeah, that's fine. Take Chase Anderson out there. But everywhere else, I think he's worth actually going out and getting because, Unless they listen to this podcast or, or re- read Eno's stuff specifically, I don't think that people that own Chase Anderson are necessarily going to be overly hyped on him. So you might be able to just get him at a pretty good rate because of that 424 ERA. So we're recommending continuing to buy on him. Um, and now we got to get into these bullpens because uh, I mentioned this at the outset too. This is a huge bummer. We were so freaking geeked on this guy, and i got to give you the full credit there on Adam Adovino. Takes the job, looking great. Throwing the ball brilliantly, boom, triceps injuries on the disabled list. What the freak is going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think hopefully it's okay. You know, it seems like there was no big uh, problem when they looked at it. And in the in the past, the problem with him has been the shoulder. Um, okay. So I think it's good news. I think that um, he'll be okay. I think he'll be out for close to the minimum. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping that um, this is going to be okay. And okay. I don't think that John Axford is going to take the job while he's gone. I think there's like a 4% chance of that. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Adovino pitched so well that I, I, honestly I'd say there's almost a 0% chance because 
I don't care how well Axford pitches. If, if you're right that he's on a kind of a minimum stay or maybe he's like 17 or 18 days, so a couple of days extra, I just don't think there'd be enough time for Axford to be so good that they would be like, nah, never mind, out of Vino. He was, he's been amazing. 37% strikeout rate, six to five strikeout to walk ratio, all with a 63% ground ball rate. I mean, he has been perfect this year. And by that, I'm, I'm, I'm being literal because he has a zero ERA. He's just been amazing. Obviously, the ERA will go up. He'll have some runs given up. But Ottavino's done everything right. You're not going to lose the job here. If you've got him, sit tight. You can maybe go get Axford if you're desperate for saves. But for me, I'd probably just ignore it altogether. Yeah, right, I, think look- I think there are, there are bigger situations where I, I would spend my energy. Oh, speak, maybe one of these two uh, are among the ones you're talking about. I, I think you mentioned him uh, in passing when we were speaking earlier about Steve Sishek, about how bad he's been. It's been rough. It's been really rough for Sishek. And he was kind of in that second tier of guys, right, just below the studs. But the guy, like, hey, he's reliable. He might not be a, the best of the best. You're not going to get that 14 uh, strikeout per nine kind of stuff from him, you know, but – Everything else can be really good from him. And so far, that has been the direct opposite. He's been brutal. Eight runs and six in the third innings for C-Sheck. Does have six Ks, the yip-de-doo. Uh, three, uh, three walks, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's in six in the third innings, so it's a 4.3 walk rate. Um, it's been bad there. Obviously, nothing's working out for Miami right now. We talked about the DFA of, uh, of Salty. They're looking for answers. I think one of their answers could be A.J. Ramos at the end of that bullpen because he's been brilliant. 12 in the third innings, 18 strikeouts, .73 ERA. i got to imagine that he's the one to target if they do decide to make a move. And frankly, it's been so bad with C-Shake that I would jump now on Ramos if I'm speculating for saves as opposed to waiting for the hammer to fall. Yeah, I think Ramos is one of the best uh, pickups right now given that some of the other things have, sh- have already shook out, you know, so – there's um, there's not really a, a, a red alert button anywhere else other than, you know, some rumors of Papelbon going to, to Boston. But, you know, Ken Giles is owned in a lot of these saves processing leagues, saves prospecting leagues. So, you know, and, and anything you do in L.A. will be temporary. So as much as I like Amy Garcia, uh, yeah. you know, or Chris Hatcher, and it looks like it's maybe Chris Hatcher, you know, we're talking about a couple weeks here, I think. Yeah, because Kenley Jansen's on the way back, and, and, and that one will be Start done. With. Ramos could Ramos take the has job. the best change-up whiff rate in baseball this year. He has gotten a whiff on 45% of the change-ups he's thrown. That's so dirty. That's, like, that's, dirty. <laughs> that's just not even fair at that point. I mean, it won't hold all year because nobody sure. last year, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. And, 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 you know, there's some – things that he doesn't do a hundred percent. He hasn't had, you know, the best control in his career. Um, doesn't but, have overwhelming velocity either. You know, he works kind of like what 91, 93 mostly, but with that change up that can make a 91, 93 mile an hour fastball play up. And, and, and I right. think we're and, seeing some of that. And as, and as much as, um, you know, Morris, uh, Brian Morris has more uh, velocity and has some wicked stuff himself. Sure. He's chosen to go for the ground balls and and throws that sinker a lot, loves his sinker, and just hasn't been used for holds and hasn't been used in the same way that Ramos has been used. So, you know, you have to look at usage, too. As much as I love to preach fastball velocity and, and strikeout rate for closers, um, you have to look at how they're being used. Absolutely. That's a big part of it. You can't just 
say this guy's got some good skills. I'll do it. We we love skills. We we, we definitely favor skills here. But as you've mentioned with Morris, uh, maybe the most of what his stuff could do from a strikeout perspective hasn't really shown through. So I think Ramos is the guy to go ahead and get. And then this last one, something that we've been monitoring, whether it's me and you, me and Jason, it's just we've been monitoring it since it happened. It's the Blue Jays situation. Miguel Castro gives up the the walk off yesterday. It hasn't been good for the youngster uh, coming in for Brett Cecil. We knew Brett Cecil had such a short leash, which kind of surprises me that uh, Castro's leash has been lengthy by comparison, only by comparison. <laughs> I, I don't think that a guy should necessarily be out after uh, you know four crummy, crummy outings, but as quick as Cecil was pulled, I'm surprised Castro hasn't already been pulled. Now he's got runs allowed in each of his last three outings, hasn't been able to finish the inning in any of them. Two-thirds, one-third, one-third, six hits, three runs, only two strikeouts, and a homer in those three outings. Uh, it, it's just been tough. And frankly, for a 20-year-old, what the freak do you expect? I mean, we could have seen him blaze, you know, hit the ground running, blaze it up, and, and be one of those guys that uh, – takes the league by storm as a youngster, but this is the other end of that spectrum where they just flame out because they're freaking 20. So for me, I'm, I'm going, I'm sticking with the Cecil shares I had or reinvesting in him if, if he was cut. Uh, but also I think Roberto Asuno, uh, Asuna, excuse me, deserves some mention because he's been pretty great, um, in his time, but he's also a 20 year old. So maybe the pressure of the ninth would do the same thing to him that it's done to Castro. Who do you think it's an opportunity first? Will it be Osuna or will they turn back to Cecil who's kind of regained his velocity since originally be, being pulled out of that role? Um, you know, well, I like, I've seen Osuna leads the, the, the team and holds. Um, yes. Which is, is, uh, is an interesting thing to note. Um, over the last seven days, um, Cecil has been creeping back into, um, the discussion and, um, he's got one hold to, to Asuna's, uh, two. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Uh, and also the, uh, the velocity has come back, but not quite all the way. And he's a lefty. See, uh, that's the piece I was going to mention is that, yes, they've given him some shots here and there because they weren't, you know, uh, a a full-on contender last year. So maybe that's why they even let him get in there. But Osuna's a righty. He's killing it. You mentioned Cecil's velocity isn't all the way back. But it was 86, 87 that first outing, and he's been consistently 91 to 92 since outside of his very last outing, which he was back down at 90.8. Too. So maybe that's maybe that's part of the concern is that if he can't sustain the velocity, if he's kind of bouncing back and forth, then they're just going to say, listen, Cecil, you're still going to be the seventh, eighth inning bridge guy, but we're going to give another 20-year-old a shot. So I don't overwhelmingly feel strongly about going out and getting either of these guys. I would still get Ramos ahead of either of them. Yes. Yes. Um, but I, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit split. I, I, I really like Cecil coming into the season, but as I'm looking at Osuna, I'm like, oh, he's putting up some really good numbers, and they've given one 20-year-old a shot. I don't think that they're going to be scared off of giving the other 20-year-old a shot just because Castro hasn't been successful. That's my, that's how I read it. So it's kind of a, a fence straddling. I understand. I, I, I guess I would just kind of put, you know, how, how desperately do you need saves? Are you just speculating everywhere and just trying to get some stuff? Maybe go for Osuna. Are you really desperate for saves? I think Cecil might get that shot sooner. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, Cecil is a lefty, but they do have loop. And, uh, oh, my God, Jeff Francis. 
Um, <laughs> they, they actually have, uh, you know, they, they, they called my dog Curtis and, and asked if he could pitch. He said no, and that's when they called Jeff Francis. It was at, it was at that point that they're like, no, this, this, this six-year-old beagle can't pitch. So we're just going to go ahead and go with uh, with Jeff Francis. By the way, speaking of of lefties that maybe they could have turned to ahead of Jeff Francis, they released Ricky Romero, my boy. Oh, but he's no. got those chronic knee injuries that have just crept up on you know that have just decimated his uh, his career. Uh, man, I loved Ricky Romero when he was rolling. Um, but yeah, the, the the piece that you mentioned that's actually pertinent, not the Francis piece that kind of led us off into some jokes. The loop, the fact that loop is there. So if Cecil went into the closer's role, they wouldn't be out of uh, a quality lefty that they could bring in in the sixth through eighth innings. They would still have one in addition to Cecil in the ninth. That's the so point you're making. Usage, usage and velocity favor Osuna. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with Osuna there. But um, uh, watch Cecil's velocity. Watch the usage carefully. Uh, see if uh, Cecil is just pitching to lefties uh, primarily. Um, or if he's, you know, comes in before Osuna, uh, I think those things are going to be very important in the next couple of days. It's not sort of, uh, it's not, by the way, it's not DEFCON 5. I learned this today in my Alex Wood. It's DEFCON 1 when things are crazy. So, um, I would give the Castro situation a DEFCON 3 or something. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say is that, um, right when you wrapped up, I was going to say, and let's be clear that this isn't an automatic go up and pick up these guys because Toronto said nothing about him being in any danger. Yeah. So, so as it stands right now, maybe they are going to give him a pretty decent leash and say, "All right, man, you got four saves, you got these what four blowups. You're kind of even, even right now. Let's see if you can put together four saves in a row here, and we'll stick with you. Otherwise, it, it, it might become tenuous. So, just keep an eye out for that. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. You know, we did go, come back with a with a blockbuster episode. We're creeping up on an hour and a half to make up for the fact that there was no Sunday yeah. show. I know you got to get to the ball yard, so I'll let you do that. And we will be back on Thursday, and it will be officially normal. This was normal-ish because I finally got internet, but I'll have my office set up. I'll get my desk back out here, my standing desk. <laughs> Very excited about that. So we'll be back 100% to normal on Thursday. But until then, you know, good luck at the yard, and we'll talk in a couple days. All right. Thanks. Take care, bud.